Welcome to the On The Rise podcast with your host, Tanner Lewis of Rise Music Group. We talk to top professionals in the music business today as well as the rising stars of tomorrow. Let's hop into this episode of On The Rise. Welcome to On The Rise. I'm your host, Tanner Lewis with Rise Music Group. Today, we're sitting down for episode number 32 with Mark Allen Janice. Let's hop in. I got you, man. How are you? Uh, man, hang on a minute. I'm trying to shut something off on my phone. I'm good, man. You all right? I'm doing good. You got a cool room there, man. Yeah, it's my office, dude. It's, um, yeah, I got a lot going on in here. <laughs> I dig it. It's, it's, it's like you're it's in. Also, it's also right by the front door of my house, and um, then the stairs are right next to the front door, so it's my office. It's the front door of my office and the stairs, and the kids are all upstairs, so they're gone now, which is good for all of us because you can usually hear various fights going on or or my son cussing at a kid on Fortnite. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and I, if you've listened to very many episodes of these podcasts, you'll learn that my dogs interrupt pretty much every single one. All the time. Yeah, that's funny. You look like you got like the studio studio vibes going on over there. My walls are yeah, just boring. All, it's all music, man, in this um, in here. Um, it's kind of um, yeah. So a long time for a long time, I had all these uh, gold plaques up that gold and platinum plaques up that I had achieved over the years and um and then one day i was sitting in here and it was like man it's overwhelming about me in this room. <laughs> you know I mean? like everywhere i looked was my name and it just got to be a little too much so i kind of changed up the vibe a little bit yeah um, but where do you put the gold plaques you can't put those in a closet they're in the attic <laughs> they're in the attic even worse yeah. than in a closet they're harder right. to get to yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's some of those things like i don't know what to you know, I mean, I don't want to get rid of them, right? Because they all mark moments in time, yeah. right? That, that were obviously meant something. And, um, and, but I also don't want them, you know, I don't want them hanging around uh, in my office full time. <laughs> and my wife certainly doesn't want them all over the house, you know, like hung up all over the house. So, oh man, I get that. We, we just moved into a new condo. Um, my wife and I got married in April and then bought our first first condo in December and we moved in and she was like, you're not going to hang all over the walls in our new place, are you? And I was like, well, where else am I going to put them? <laughs> I, 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 I know. I know. And so when I met my wife, um, I was living in this apartment in Grapevine and, um, and my, um, my mom and my sister-in-law had come over and cause I just got divorced and moved into this place. And, uh, my mom and my sister-in-law came over and decorated it. Like they put all the pictures and shit up and they, and I wasn't there when they did it. And then they took all of like all these plaques and they hung them on this one wall. Right. And the first time, like my, when we were dating, my wife came over, I think it was a little overwhelming. Yeah. Um, she still doesn't know exactly what I do for a living. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> do, do your kids, uh, do your kids and their friends find that kind of cool? Yeah. So it's funny. All right. So my, I have, I have a 31 year old daughter and a 27 year old daughter. I have a 19 year old stepdaughter. Um, but I've raised her. So she's my daughter. I shouldn't say stepdaughter, but, um, and then I have a, an 11 year old daughter and a 10 year old son. Right. So like my 27 year old, is she's in the 
she's she's in the music business. She works for uh, Makeway Artists, which is uh, Luke Combs' management company. Yeah. Um, and um, um, so she's always like she know. I mean, she gets it. But like the the little the, my younger kids are just starting to figure it out. Like they they it, it was. I don't know how to say this, man. It was like, you know, I'm just their dad. So none of it really like they didn't get it. And I, and they've been to shows like they've been backstage. They've met, they've met very famous people, you know? Um, and they, um, yeah, like it just hit my son the other day, like what I do for what I, what I had been doing for a very long time. You know, yeah. like, like, you know, I guess he just, because I work out of my house and then the, you know, and then the, the coronavirus hit. And so I all of a sudden was home all the time and forever. You just thought I didn't have a job. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> my oldest daughter, when my oldest, my 31 year old daughter, when she was like in the first grade, her teacher asked what I did for a living. We moved to Phoenix. I got transferred out to Phoenix and, and she told um, her teacher that, well, I know he goes, he travels a lot with his friends and goes to a lot of parties. And I was like, well, that's, yeah, I guess that's it. That's pretty much in a nutshell. <laughs> you know I mean? That's awesome. That's pretty close to what I do. Yeah. Is your second oldest daughter the only one who's, uh, who's following yeah. in the footsteps? Yeah. Yeah. Haley's, yeah. Haley's the only one, man. Um, and she's just, you know, she, she's like, that's what she wanted to do. She has a degree from A&M and, um, and it's a tough thing, you know, like, you go do four years of college. She got out in four years. She did really well there. And then, you know, she wanted to do this music business thing. And man, it's a tough conversation going, yeah, your degree from A&M means nothing in that town. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's cool in the sense that, you know, it shows that you started and completed it, but you're going to start out as the receptionist some, somewhere, you know, I mean, that's just pretty much how it's going to go. Um, and that's what happened, you know, but she's, she's really good. Um, she's a good worker and, um, and she's, you know, been able to move, move pretty fast. Yeah. Um, she's in a good situation, um, working over there for Cappy. So for sure. I, I think that makes a huge difference. I went to school for, for business to Texas state and, uh, honestly put myself through school doing, doing kind of the Texas touring thing. Right, um, and then immediately graduated and was like, I don't want to tour anymore, but I'm going to move to Nashville and kind of get into the business side of things. But uh, you know, I think all all when you, as long as you're you're working hard and like really, you know, going above and beyond, all you need is right. foot in the door, someone to give you yeah. a little shot, you know. Right, and that's the thing is like, I mean, somebody gave me a chance a hundred years ago, you know, and then it's like what you do after that, you know, you, it's good to know somebody to help you get in. And then it's all on you from that point on. And I probably am an anomaly of all of that because I played a whole lot harder than I worked for, most of my, for many of my years in this thing, man. But um, so who are you, who'd you tour with? Uh, I was just singer songwriter myself. Oh, you were just, doing it yourself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did that for a bit and, uh, and then got in the business and love managing artists now. So yeah, full, full, full blown into that side of things now, except for when, yeah. uh, 
Except for one of my management clients gets me drunk around a fire pit or something like that. <laughs> it's trouble, yeah. Well, mine got me, my, my artist got me drunk and I just ended up in rehab. So there's one thing, man. I have caught on fire a couple of times too, um, which is for a whole nother time. But um, yeah, they ac- the accidental combustion is um, is always really hard to explain. <laughs> yeah. People, you know? So... So um, I guess just to, to jump on in and stuff and kind of introduce sure. um, my my audience to to Mark Allen Janice here, um, can can you give just a quick brief introduction on um, the summary of, of kind of what sure. you've done in the music business for the yeah, past, okay. past few weeks? So I can. So how I started. Um, so I moved to Nashville for something and. Um, and met this dude and ended up selling high risk auto insurance for, I don't know, it was like seven months maybe. And I never could pass the insurance exam. And I think some of the things that were going on in there probably weren't legal. And um, so I wanted a better job. So I ended up in the music business, but uh, <laughs> I wanted a less <laughs> rough business. But um, no, so anyway, I was working, this guy hired me um, and he was going out and he was, he was, um, his brother is, was George Ritchie, and so he was Tammy Wynette's brother-in-law. And he was in, he had a publishing company, but he was going out trying to. He'd always had a dream of being an artist, and so I he had hired me to help book shows for him, which I had no idea what I was doing. Right, I had no clue what that even involved, and uh, and so I started doing that with him, and ended up on the road. And his band man was. Um, like in the band was a guy named Johnny Christopher, who who co-wrote Always on My Mind. Uh, a guy named Kenny Buttry, who was one of the great session musicians, uh, who was my roommate on this tour, and um, he he played on all the Dylan albums that were there. He he toured with Dylan. He toured with Neil Young. He played on the Harvest album from Neil Young. He, he played on all five of the Dylan albums that were cut in Nashville. Um, and so Kenny Buttry and they were out there, man. And I, you know, I, I was a huge Dylan fan and. Um, and so I got to know this guy, Kenny Buttry and man, I just, you know, I'm a young dude. I'm 21, 22 years old, man. And I spent most of the time laying in whatever days in we were staying in at the time. And, you know, going, Hey man, um, can I ask you one more question about Bob? Dylan? <laughs> you know? But so, yeah. So then anyway, this thing kind of fell apart and, um, um, and a guy named Larry Gatlin who had a, um, uh, a, a, big career for a long time, hired me, um, basically to be his assistant. You know, I mean, I, I tour manager is probably a word, but that's not really, I was more picking up socks and underwear and ironing shirts and doing those kind of things, you know, for them. But that was like my first taste of really being on the road and seeing like a business, you know, on how did you, how did you meet Larry Gatlin and those guys? Well, there you go. So that's like we were talking about a minute ago. My brother, um, my brother knew him, and uh, the guy that had been doing that job was leaving to do something else. And um, and I, uh, the, the job I was telling you about before had kind of fallen apart out of the blue. And I had a baby at the time, and I was broke. And this thing came along uh, with Gatlin, and um, my brother had just told Larry that I was looking for a job, and you know, and so Larry hired me, um, he hired me on the spot and, um, um, 
man, we left like two days later and this is before cell phones, man. And we were gone for probably nine, 10 weeks. Right. And I remember the first time I actually called home, I'm a young dude, man. I'm out on the road like this, man. It was like, it was rock and roll, man. It was, it was a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. And I was having the time of my life. And, um, you know, and I remember my, talking to my wife at one point. She's like, "Are you ever, uh, are you ever coming back?" And I'm like, "I, I don't know, but is that, you know, should I?" <laughs> so she actually stayed married to me for quite a lot longer than she probably should have. Um, um, she's an ex-wife now, but um, yeah. So then that happened, and um, and so Larry got sick. He had um, he had had throat surgery, and so he ended up having to take some time off, and then. Uh, and I have a kid and Sony music was hiring a mailroom guy and somebody that I knew, um, knew the person that was doing the hiring, uh, at Sony. And I, man, listen, I growing up, I was a music lover and I loved reading liner notes. I, I knew about labels from seeing them on albums, you know, but I had no idea like what they, what a label did when I walked into that place and I had no clue. Um, and they hired me, man, to be the mailroom guy. And 30 years later, you know, I'm not there anymore, but <laughs> I stayed, there. I was there for 30 years. Um, I left a couple of different times for different reasons, but, um, but total of 30 years with them. And I started as a mailroom guy. Yeah. And for, for our audience out there, I feel like it's been probably, man, episodes and episodes and episodes since, since we spent time telling our audience what the mailroom is for people who don't know anything about Nashville and how you get your start in Nashville for, for 65, 70% of the, the industry professionals. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that was crazy, man. Um, everything came through the mailroom, you know I mean? I have great stories. It was, um, so I'm, I'm a former paper boy, bus boy from normal Illinois, right? That's, I grew up doing that. And, you know, and now I'm at this label. And, and so that job, man, it was, I mean, obviously getting mail in and out in those days, you know, the CDs were coming out of, they had just cut out vinyl completely when I started. Like there was one box of the Highwaymen albums left in the mail room. And, uh, and that mail room was in the old Quonset hut down on Music Row uh, on 16th Avenue, which was the Bradley studios and um everybody had recorded in that building right at one i mean it was the spot and all of a sudden i'm the mailroom guy in this place and so yeah so man the job was getting the mail in getting the mail out um when they hired me they asked me if i knew anything about commercial air conditioning man it was one of those moments in life where i'm sitting in this interview and i'm going you know what do i say <laughs> uh, uh you know and i so i said yes I, abs- I absolutely know everything about commercial air conditioning. And then my first day there, the air conditioning breaks, of course. And, uh, you know, and I've got to go figure that out. But, um, yeah, so, man, it was like changing light bulbs, filling up coffee, putting Cokes in the refrigerator, going and buying liquor for the VPs, you know. Um, I knew a lot about what was going on in people's lives in that building, man, because I was I was in the middle of all of it. But, man, I it, so that time was great because where that where the label was at at the time uh, was right off of 16th Avenue, and um, MCA was down the road. So the back alley 
uh, is where I spent a lot of my time with that job because that's where the trucks would drop off the boxes of CDs and whatnot. And, uh, and I'd have to go out there and load them up. But, man, George Jones, Marty Stewart, those guys were always going down that alley down to MCA, man. And those dudes would stop and talk, you know, when I'd be out there. And uh, they would stop and, and, and just bullshit with me. And I can remember going, I shouldn't, these, man, I'm a paper boy, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm a bus boy. Um, man, there was a time where, um, Chris, I came out of that back. Um, I came out on that back loading dock and, uh, Chris Christopherson was standing there. He was waiting on a film crew. They were going to do a documentary and I don't even know what, all, what it was going to be about, but he had been the janitor in that Quonset hut, right. Uh, when he first got to town. Very cool. Christopherson had been, and they had the truck had just dropped off this two big pallets of CDs, and there was a little, you know, small loading door. And he's standing there watching me mess with all this stuff, and it was really hot. And uh, so he's asked me what I have to do with all of these boxes. You know, I go, well, I got to take them from down here, and I got to go in that little door. And he goes, well, how about this, man? How about I'll hand you the boxes inside of that door? And so Christopherson helped me load. CDs into the freaking mailroom one day, you know, what I mean? like yeah. crazy stuff like that happened all, you know, I mean, it just was being in that place, man, in that time. And, the, you know, yeah. as time went on, I don't remember, you know, I, I, I don't remember having, you know, I, well, I'll say it like this. I, I just know that that was like, to me was, um, it was my first real taste of being around people that were superstars, you know? And, um, and learning to have to function with them, you yeah. know, uh, so to speak. But and, and so, yeah. like from from that being your your first real real taste of that, how did you decide in a major label atmosphere which path was going to be kind of the one you were going to take for the majority of the rest of your career? Um, a couple of things. One of them was the the first opportunity to be promoted was to the secretary of the promotion department, right? So coming out of the mail room, I was going to be the assistant in the promotion department. So I wanted, I wanted the promotion obviously, cause it was more money and all that. But um, also the promotion people just seemed to be having a whole lot, whole, whole lot of fun, you know? Uh, and I wanted like the idea of being in that um, was very appealing. And so, yeah. So, I mean, it, Part of it was just that was the job that had come open. And in those days, man, they they promoted, like everybody that had been in the mailroom before me um, had all moved up through the company and right. become, you know, and, and it, at some point had had very big jobs uh, with Sony or, yeah. or had left and, and ended up with big jobs at another label, you know, um, and, but they'd been groomed coming up through the system, you know, like we all kind of followed the same path. Everybody was the mailroom guy. And then it was, you know, then it was the secretary for the promotion department. And then it was, you know, then they moved you, moved you into a regional uh, promotion job, which you yeah. talked to EJ. I heard your podcast with EJ the other day. And um, so, you know, he kind of gave a big taste of what promotion is about. But For sure. Do you think kind of having everybody start in, in the mailroom, do, do you view that as kind of a little bit of a gatekeeper in, in who's in this to stick with it and grunt and grind versus who's in this to be cool and be in the music business at all? Yeah. So, no, that's a good question because um, 
that job was grueling. I mean, that job was not, it was, it was, it was manual labor, man. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it, it was. And, um, um, and so, yeah, I think that, I think you have to, I, I fell in love with it. You know I mean? I fell in love with the place. I fell in love with the vibe. Um, I fell in love with all the stuff that was just going on in there. And, and as a kid, man, they were, all the people that were way above me were always really good, you know, were very good to me. And so there was a family environment. All my kids have been born while I was at Sony, right? So that's, it is, it was like a family to me for sure. But yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that if, you know, in that job, it didn't take long to find out that um, there wasn't much glamor in what I was doing. You know what I mean? But I, I loved it. And I think that that's probably what ends up getting separated out is, you know, because like I said, man, I, I didn't, um, I knew nothing about labels, man. So I learned it all as I was there. So I didn't go into that job thinking, you know, I'm going to be rubbing elbows with, with hillbilly singers, you know what I mean? I, I didn't really see it like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it, that like that assistant jobs, the receptionist jobs, um, those kind of, those gigs, um, will separate out. I think people that are really falling in love with it, you know, versus the people that think it's going to be all about, you know, that it's this, the cliche of the all, music. all backstage pass. <laughs> right, 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 man. I did not go backstage uh, when I was the mailroom guy. I was not backstage a lot, man, unless it was to bring something to the backstage, right? <laughs> um, there wasn't a whole lot of that going. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, so it was one of those things that, um, man, I loved it. You know, I mean, the job was, 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 it was hard work, but I, man, I fell in love with the whole, you know, I fell in love with all of it, man. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah. you ended up in, in promotions at that time. And obviously there's, there's been rapidly changing music environment, obviously, but, but at that time, what would your other paths have been? Obviously, you've got promotions, you've got A and R. What are what are some of the other things yeah, I mean, you could was, have fallen into? Yeah, I mean, there was there was you know there was marketing jobs and publicity jobs, stuff like that um, that that were around. But man, just like for me and what my personality has always been. Um, like I didn't want to get into a clerical kind of job. Like I didn't want to be dealing with numbers and, you know, there's the administrative side A&R that, you know, um, isn't in studios with artists. They're doing numbers and that kind of stuff. And I didn't want to do that. And publicity was, you know, also not was, that was a, at the time that, that department was so solid and there were so many people in there, but the promotion guys, man, were the ones that were always, you know, coming back into my little, mail room and jacking around with me and they just seemed to be the ones having the most fun. Everybody, look, they were all having a good time. It was a great, it was a great environment, but yeah, I mean, that's just like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to do it because I had been traveling, right? So I'd been on the road and I knew that those guys were out with the artists and they were on the road a lot and I wanted to get back, you know, I wanted to get back into that. So it, for me, that was like, I mean, that was the natural progression of things yeah. um, where well, I wanted to be. What was your first trip out on the road with the Sony artist? Uh, let's man. I'm trying to think. Um, I, 
Let's see. So I had, so I left Sony. So when I was a secretary, I left Sony for a very brief period of time because at the time they couldn't, there was nothing available and they couldn't promote me from one pay grade to another. I believe is what the story was. And there was another label starting up. Uh, it was when Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss sold A&M records, right? They, they started their own label. They started another label called Almo Sounds, and they wanted to have a country division of that. So my boss at Sony at the time was like, go take that job and go get your hands dirty, you know, as a regional promotion guy doing this. And then when your contract is up, we'll hire you back. Um, so I had been out with a couple of artists um, with this Almo Sounds. The first guy I was ever out with was a guy named Paul Jefferson, songwriter singer songwriter and um um and a guy named bill yates who had some hits wrote some songs for george jones and and that um i man i'm trying to think so sony did hire me back as soon as my contract ended they they brought me back and it it seems like at the time well i know this for sure they they had just signed montgomery gentry which was those boys were completely different than anything that was going on in that town and they they kind of reworked that promotion department and brought in some, I think some people that weren't scared to get arrested. <laughs> it's kind of how I look back on it, you know, cause those guys were, those guys, it was, it was wild. And that was like my first coming back, you know, at 26, 27 years old. That was, um, those are the guys, man. Do you I think, I mean, in, in your mind, you say they were totally different than anything that was happening in that town. Is that because they were kind of, a little bit more edgy, a little bit more party. Yeah, um, yeah man. They, yeah, they, they the the album. The name of the album was Tattoos and Scars. Man, um, they got in trouble coming from Kentucky um, on the way down to sign their deal. Man, they got in trouble with the police because they had a, a lot of liquor in their vehicle, and I think that they were shooting guns down. You know, <laughs> and so. Yeah, man, they, they were just, you know, there were no love songs on that album. Um, and they, man, they were from Kentucky, dude. They, man, they lived it. There was no secret. And they were, you know, those two guys, man, they were like genuine. You know, Troy's no longer with us. and But those two guys were genuine outlaws. I mean, they, they really were. But, man, like, they were really good at what they did, too. You know, and it was, you know, Nashville had, you know, Nashville slips into um, a certain pattern. They'll, they'll fall into patterns where things are kind of sounding the same and artists like somebody has an artist that does really well and then everybody wants to go sign that. Right. right. And they were just not part of the mold at that time. Um, and it was crazy because we took them out to see, um, I think we saw every radio station in the country and um, the radio, the radio stations who get beat down by these radio tours, you know, I mean, they see, they're seeing artists all the time, but they were genuinely looking forward to meeting these guys, um, just because of who they were. And, you know, um, Eddie, Eddie, they asked Eddie Montgomery one time on the air in Abilene, Texas, uh, what his least favorite food was. And without missing a beat, he said, possum. And he was dead serious. You know, <laughs> that's how I was like, man, this is just this is wonderful. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's man, they were, I mean, they were different and, um, and they're not all like, you know what I mean? They weren't all like that. And that's part of the job, man, is learning to, um, 
you know, do it with with different artists with different personalities and different different sounds and you know how they're approaching their music and you know and and that they're not going to all be um you know it wasn't all rock and roll like that yeah (laughs) do you so so you feel like radio was pretty accepting to them though when you were very much yeah i mean yeah they were and uh there were some people that there were some stations that had a problem with them um from the start um there were a handful of people that didn't get it um hillbilly shoes was the first single and man if you go back and listen to what was happening at the time um you go back and listen to the music that was coming out of Nashville at the time and then what they were doing it was so in your face um and it was loud man and it was it you know it was banging um and so there were a handful of radio stations man that just didn't they didn't get it uh there, I had a station that didn't want to support that didn't believe that they should uh, support their lifestyle, right? They, they thought it would go against what their, the core value of their radio station. Um, and so they didn't want to support that. I remember that's a station that never played the first single and yeah. they just didn't, they didn't do it. Um, and, uh, you know, like for a promotion guy, that becomes a drag, um, when a single is working and, um, you know, that, that first single ended up just being a top 10, record may, it may not have even got there but that was the direct result of you know a handful of stations that just refused so there's constantly artists coming to me asking what do i do with my release how do i get this music in front of as many people as possible want to introduce y'all to our friends at Hilo digital hallie ferguson and lexi orcutt are doing incredible work over there Um, If y'all have any questions about topics such as these, y'all hit them up at info at helodigital.com for more information. Yeah. How do you, how do you navigate that when you're working a record and you know that your, your job is to obviously get as many spins as possible. um, But, but also that, you know, different decision makers have different tastes. I mean, I, I, I probably don't like, five artists on your top 10 list and you probably don't like five artists on my top 10 list. So how do you get past that? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I, I probably have done it different than a lot of people have. I I, I've had good, I've been fortunate to have good relationships with these guys over the years. And I think at some point there becomes a trust factor, you know, where it's like, listen, man, this is a hit and you're missing it. Right. Um, and then there's times, man, where, you know, like, um, they just got their heels dug in. Um, there's times like, man, that I've known they're not hits. Right. (laughs) And everything that's trending on the single is leaning toward, this is not going to be a hit. You know, I mean, they're all hits until the guy in the corner office says they're not, that's the truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, till somebody way above me says they're no longer hits, they're hits. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it becomes one of those things where sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's facts and, and, and numbers that prove to a station why they should be playing it sales and, you know, and touring and things that are happening around their market. It's changed a lot in those days. Singles were, we're more likely to break regionally, you know, something could take off in a certain part of the country and then we could 
take what was happening in a certain, you know, similar markets and bring it to a, a, a station that wasn't getting it, right? And um, and just show them, you know. Uh, sometimes it was just, man, uh, my, you know, sometimes it was just cocaine and hookers, man. <laughs> uh, no, that's a joke. That's a joke. But, you know, I mean, sometimes it was just going in and going, man, you know what? I need you. I just need your help right here. And if I'm wrong, you can quit playing it in six weeks, but I don't think I'm wrong. You know? Yeah. Um, that time was crazy because we had Montgomery Gentry and, um, and then Sony started a label called lucky dog, which, um, ended up with Jack Ingram and Charlie, Charlie and Bruce Robinson, um, the derailers. And, uh, that kind of got left. I was in Texas by this time. Sony had transferred me to Dallas because there was an office here at the time. And so these guys were all from Texas. And so we've got Montgomery Gentry doing this thing. And then we've got these guys from Texas, man, that are even more different, you know, um, in those days it was easier to get things played in a certain state by mainstream country radio stations than it probably is now. But, um, well, definitely than it is now. But, um, so man, we had like, we had a very eclectic, uh, label at the time. They kind of Columbia records is, 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 the, is the imprint that I work for. And, uh, Columbia kind of took this lucky dog thing and we became the promotion people for, for lucky dog. And, um, man, and that was very cool. I, those are, man, I, I drove all over the state with those guys um, going and, and, you know, seeing radio man. And, and that was a tough deal because they were so different. They weren't really getting played much outside of Texas, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, like those are some of my favorite memories of this whole, uh, of the 30 years of of being involved with that label was, uh, was that time, you know? Um, Cause it was just so different and the music was so just was so fresh, uh, but yet all of it had a different sound. It's very, you know, I don't know, singer songwriters, the way of putting it for the guys down here, for the Ingrams and the Robinsons, you know, but it, it was definitely more uh, earthy feel to it. Than, yeah. You know, it was way more raw um, than what was, you know, what was being done for mainstream radio. Definitely. And so I guess that brings up kind of an interesting topic to me, especially when I get, um, you know, guys on the podcast that are very well versed in both, both the Nashville scene as well as the Texas scene. And and that's kind of, you know, if you look back at at some of the greats in country music, there was a ton of them that came from Texas, right? Yeah. But but they, they weren't, Texas country musicians, you know, they're no, just country no. musicians. And right, then right. there's a time in the middle where I feel like there was a definite Texas country musician and a Nashville musician. Yeah. And in my mind, and, and you can correct me here in a minute if I'm wrong, but in my mind at that time, the Nashville labels were not really picking a lot of those guys out of the Texas scene. And then yeah. now we're kind of at this place where it's kind of coming back together a little bit and the sounds are merging a little bit, you know, some of the artists make the jump to the, to the national scene and there is still a very different thing that's being done in Texas and Nashville, but you also hear stuff coming out of Nashville that sounds like Texas and vice versa. Sure. Yeah. So the, yeah, no, no. So you're right. Um, and at that time, like, 
I didn't see it as Texas country, right? Uh, I just thought as these guys from Texas. And when Columbia helped, when Columbia started helping this lucky, the, the imprint Lucky Dog, we didn't work it as just a Texas thing. I mean, we, we tried to break it here first, but all of the other regionals were out, you know, kicking ass for these guys because they absolutely, you know, everybody bought in on what they were doing. And, it, you know, so there was Robert Earl and, and, um, and there was Waylon and Willie, you know, who had come back to Texas to do their thing. And, but again, they weren't considered Texas. You know, I mean, that wasn't considered, like there was no label on right. them. They weren't they're red just, dirt artists. They were just, just guys country legends. <laughs> right, you know, like... right, man. And they were tired of the national system. So they came back here and did it their own way. Somewhere along that time with, um, with those guys somewhere in there, it got labeled as Texas, you know, it got labeled as Texas country music. And then there was a, it seems like a, a period of time where, um, Nashville had stopped signing artists from down here. You know, it felt like there weren't a lot coming out of Texas. I mean, they went through a big Georgia phase and, you know, stuff like that, but there are guys down here. And the, the thing about the artists down here, man, the, the vast majority of them are cutting their records in Nashville. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's this whole, uh, you know, this whole division and, and this hatred down here sometimes for Nashville, but it's like, man, they're writing with Nashville writers. Uh, these guys from here are writing with Nashville writers. They're using Nashville studios. They're using Nashville session players. You know, it's getting cut in Nashville. Um, but it's just, you know, they're marketing it, it differently down here. I think that, um, you know, Bowen, uh, I worked with Wade Bowen for a long time, who's a, who's a, a great friend and then Jack Ingram too, man, that they got, um, they, you know, Wade got a chance to move his, move his craft from just touring Texas. And he got to go to Nashville and he got a shot at that mainstream, you know, um, at the, at the mainstream, uh, life. And, um, and, um, and not that, that, that see, I don't want to sound, that's to sound bad because what they're doing here is very mainstream for them. Right. But they got a chance at that Nashville, that thing. Right. And they, they had hits, Jack, uh, and Wade had hits, you know, um, doing that. And I think that anybody that is down here working, um, that gets that opportunity, um, I think they take it. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? I just speaking on those two guys, since since you've got kind of first firsthand experience with them, Wade, you know, is is somebody who since since I've been in high school or middle school, he's been a core core Texas country music. You know, yeah, went went to see him when I was in middle school. Still going to see him today. Yeah, but it seems like he he really developed his touring down here to a very strong base. Like you said, you know, had some had some success up in Nashville as well, and then you know has continued to to succeed down here. Um, Jack, in in my memory, um, you know, had kind of the buzz start up there a little bit more than Wade did versus right. how Wade built down here in the touring scene first. So, right. Yeah. It's two, it was two different things. Um, I mean, Jack was working down here, but then Jack got signed to a label, small, uh, an independent label in Nashville before he ended up uh, at Sony. 
So he had been out. They had, you know, they had taken Jack out. They'd done show the label. And I can't remember the name of the label, man. I, Jack hears this. He'll, he'll, he'll be able to fill in the blank, but, um, <laughs> but they had done all that. You know I mean? They had set him up. And, and so Jack's career um, wasn't necessarily going to be as a Texas artist. He was signed to be a Nashville mainstream act, you know, um, and then, uh, you know, it didn't work for whatever reason. Um, and then, you know, and then he ended up on, um, on Sony, but yeah, but so Wade, I mean, had, it had been working down here for a long time. Um, you know, he obviously, you know, he'd been here, uh, doing his thing. Um, and you know, there's a fine man. These guys have got to walk a fine line, man. Um, if they're from here and then they get a shot in Nashville, there's a fine line because they can't, they don't want to forget the fans that got them started, right? That core base. And I mean, those guys can make money forever down here. You know I mean? They can, they can do very well down here. Right. Um, so as they get this taste of the mainstream country charts and all that, um, Man, they, they, most of these guys do a very good job of coming back here and taking care of their real diehard fans, you know, yeah. um, because this is, they can come back here and work. But I know a lot of artists that get signed to deals in Nashville, young artists that get signed to deals in Nashville, and then they meet these guys in Texas and they're very envious of their life because they own their music. You know what I mean? They have buses, they, they're working all the time. They don't have a label giving away a free show. Some, you know, in the middle of nowhere for some radio favor, they, they're out, they're doing what they love and they're playing their music, you know, um, and they, you know, they're making money. And a lot of those, a lot of the kids getting signed in Nashville, man, it takes a minute, you know, it takes a minute to, to see that, just, you know, to see the riches, so to speak. Um, and uh, there's a lot of guys down here, man, that, you know, that do very well for themselves. Um, you know, they don't, necessarily need to go kiss the ass um in nashville to make money you know but and then, but then again man if you if you're down here and you're doing well man but you get that opportunity <laughs> to make it even bigger um i think it would be ridiculous to not take the shot 100 you know? and and i think that's what you know that's what i value most uh, about this scene is it's there's no better place in my mind, honestly, to, to hone your craft and to become a great writer and become a great performer and learn how to connect with fans and you know how to tour, man. I mean, yeah. You know how to get your hands dirty, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a lot to uh, getting in and out of those venues and learning the, the business of a live show and, and everything like that. And that's, that's one thing that we're very fortunate in Texas to, to get to kind of learn at this level. Um, but, but I'm on board with you. There is no shame in trying to take your music to as many people as a listen. No. And there's this whole thing, man. I, I know that goes on down here um, that where they talk about keeping fans, we'll talk about keeping it authentic and they didn't sell out. They didn't sell out. Well, that that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it always seems ridiculous to me um, that, that, a fan would have that expectation on an artist that they followed for a while, you know, that, that they're selling out by going to Nashville. No, they're not, man. That's not, there's no such thing as selling out. That's, that's not what they're doing, man. That's their job. Um, and you know, um, 
I, I'm working with this kid named Drake Milligan who signed to um, uh, Stony Creek up there and in Nashville, which is part of the Broken Bow, Broken Bow Group. He's from Fort Worth, and um, and he had a great he has a great way of saying that. That look, all of his heroes are the Wade Bowens, Randy Rogers, those guys. You know what I mean? The Aaron Watson, that Cody Johnson, those like that's what he grew up doing and his way of answering that is about moving to nashville is he wanted to take the fight to nashville <laughs> he wanted to take the texas fight to nashville and i always thought that's a great way of saying it you know like why limit what is so great here to just being here you know um in texas obviously yeah but, you know man if you got a chance to spread that to you know to the rest of the world man go do it. It worked for George Strait, you know? Um, and he's pretty about as Texas as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> That's right. You're not going to hear a bad word about George in Texas. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I mean, when I first moved down here, radio stations used to play like at noon, they would play all George Strait, like noon to one, it would be all George Strait. You know? Yeah. Um, I remember, um, I remember a radio guy telling me, oh, it's probably been in the last 10 years that he was, and I don't need to say what market he was in, but he was in a, a major market in Texas. And he was telling me at dinner that he was trying to figure out a way to never play George Strait records again, because that was not where the format was going. And I remember looking at him and, uh, and he asked me, he's, he's like, what are you, what are you thinking? Cause I had a blank look on my face and I'm going, man, I'm just trying to picture you telling my father-in-law that you're never going to play George Strait again. And, the, the number of ways I would try to be prying him off of you know, <laughs> for, for talking that way about George Strait. Yeah, man, sh- should have told him, man, George is going to kick for 50 more years, and then there's going to be this kid called Easton Corbin that comes along behind him and sounds kind of like him, and then George yep. is going to put out five more singles. <laughs> yeah, right, he's going to retire and then just keep doing it. Um, yeah. You know, it's like very much like the who in rock and roll world. We're going to retire and then, nah, nah, not really. You know, I think, man, I mean, they got to think about it. It, It's, it's in their blood, man. I mean, it's just, it's their fab. It's, you know, it's, it's what's in them, man. All of a sudden stop. I can't imagine, you know, suddenly just not wanting to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, Especially when you're like George, man, you still got it in you, you know, definitely. Hell, Willie's still on the road, man. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So man, I know you've, I mean, you've worked with, a million different people from from all uh, genres, but I mean, some some top level talent with like Luke Combs. I know I saw some Marin mm-hmm. Morris. Um, yeah. She's she's Texas going Nashville. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kenny Chesney, Tim McGraw, Marty Stewart, Jason Aldean. From from working with kind of all this A list talent and being out on the road and being responsible for for a lot of their radio tour and stuff like that. Um, what's what's one of your favorite stories from the road? Oh man. Some of these people are still alive. I know. My I can't mother, get you in trouble. My mother, <laughs> my mother is still alive too. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much she needs to hear. Oh man, I, there's been a, a million of them, and as soon as I tell you one, I'll think of one. Like God, oh, this is better. I mean, um, the Chesney tours um, were just next level, um, and he, man, he's a guy that is genuinely having fun doing what he's doing and it and man his crew his band 
it, it is such a great atmosphere, you know, because the promotion guy gets there early and has to jack around with tickets for the radio people and meet and greets and all that. And man, like his people, um, man, they just, it, that was a great experience to be around. Um, you know, Kenny is a huge star. Um, you know, he's a name you can talk outside of this genre and people know who he is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and the shows are fun and that just rolls downhill. And, uh, you know, I mean, there was, yeah, that, that was great. Um, look, watching Combs and Marin Morris take off. Um, I had, I've had some great times out with them as well, but I, I, the, the, the crazy stuff happened with Montgomery Gentry. Um, and a lot of that was, you know, confused looks with airport security. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, who's going to take the fall for this um, <laughs> kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I remember getting put back in my bunk one night and, um, um, and I had been drinking with him all day and they drank moonshine. And, um, so a guy named Robin majors, who's, who's a great friend of mine who now works for chess. And, um, um, he was, he was Eddie and Troy's tour manager. And, um, and I wake up one morning and I'm in the bunk of the bus and, um, on, on Eddie and Troy's bus, I'm in the, one of the bunks on their bus. And, I remember telling Robin, I was, I go, he goes, man, I had to put you to bed. Uh, he goes, I walked you back to the bus last night. I go, man, I, I don't remember being that drunk. You know, he goes, well, you were blinking one eye at a time. <laughs> so, <laughs> like you were blinking one eye at a time, dude. It was time for you to go to bed. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a bunch of those um, times. I had some great times with, um, I mean, with, you know, with, with Ingram, um, especially and Bowen, you know, just some fun stuff, man, that happened after the shows and, you know, riding on the bus and going from one city to another after everything is calmed down, you know, and the show's over. There's such a buzz after the show is done. You yeah. know, it's just a great, it's a great high. And um, we've had some moments um, that, yeah, I mean, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. What's what's one thing that you feel like you've learned from an artist that's helped you in your music business career? Oh, I think that um I I think from all of them, man, like they are pros. You know, I mean you get to this level, right? And they're pros at what they do. I mean, they're Combs, um, man, he's a machine. You know, um, he very serious about what he does, but he does it very, you know, it's very loose camp, um, man. I, you know, so let me, let me answer it like this. So these artists, man, you're in, in the job that I had forever that, you know, you're, you're responsible for their baby, man. This song is their baby, you know, and, and this is what they've dreamed their whole life about doing. Right. So there's a thing in there somewhere where you have to take it as serious. It has to mean something. It, it had to mean something to me too, like it meant to them. Right. And it has to, there has to be a passion for it somewhere. You know, um, you've got to care um, that, that, you know, it, some of my friends will be laughing about that, but the truth is that, that you have to care. You have to give a shit about, you know, about their craft and their baby, man, and, and their career, because you know what, you get that shot one time man, and 
you know, you get that, you get that once. And I think that that's probably what I learned the most was, um, was to take it serious in a way that was like, it was, you know, like a, like a, like you would take care of a kid almost, you know, um, be passionate about it, man, believe in it. And, um, you know, and, and man, I'll, so I'll tell you this, they, they um, um, well, I've lost my train of thought, man. Sorry. Somebody texted Dude, me right I, in the middle of that. Man, I, but, I, I love that piece of advice. I mean, you're, you're right. At doing promo, you're going to get yeah. another single after this one, but they might not. And, they and might same, not, man. same with, I've same seen, with management, you know, if, and I've seen that happen um, where, you know, um, it happened with Bowen, man. He had a single that was starting to work and then business things happened and he didn't get another one, you know, um, he didn't get that second single, man. And, yeah. uh, that's one of those things like, like it's, so it's crazy running into artists, um, years later, right. That have been signed that were at one time part of the label. Right. And running into them later, especially the artists where it just, in our idea of it not working, it didn't, you know, things didn't take off and they've moved on to other, you know, parts of the, of the business. And, you know, a lot of them end up having other careers inside of it, whether they're writing songs or, and, you know, but one of the great things that was said to me one time was a guy named Trent Willman. Um, and we had stuff going on him. And then there was a, uh, a change at Sony of uh, it. Sony merged uh, with BMG and there was a changing of the guard for the Sony side of things. And Trent kind of got lost in the shuffle. Right. And he had some things working. There were some, it's one of those moments where I look back and go, man, it was on us. Right. It was on the label. Um, and I ran into him years later and, 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 and Trent and I had got to be buddies, but I hadn't seen him or talked to him in a while. And, I said, I, when I run into him, I go, man, I've always wanted to tell you how bad I felt about the way things ended, you know, that, you know, it felt like everything was going and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And he's like, are you kidding, man? He goes, that one song that worked, I've been able to tour for the last 12 years on, you know, <laughs> you're like, I'm making a living, man. It's all good. You know? Yeah. So there's like that part of it that we, I guess we don't, you know, sometimes don't see or fail to see. But, yeah. And, and for yeah. our audience who doesn't know, he's still out there writing hits and I mean, yeah. doing the thing, like you said, just found a different, different lane. Maybe it's not touring stadiums like you thought he would be, but, but he's doing right. That. Yeah. He's doing what he loves. That's for sure. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So I, I think, man, you, if there has to be this thing about it where, um, you have to get it, man, from a personal level with the artist, you, somebody like me, that, that has to happen. Um, you know, you have to, and the promotion people, man, we, we're out with these artists when they're brand new, you know, we're in a car, we're in a rented Ford Taurus driving all over the country with them. And, uh, you know, so we get to know them man, well, and, um, and they get to know us well, you know, like we're, we're arguing with our wives on the phone in the car, you know, we're, we're figuring out financial things. Like there are things that are happening because we're spending great amounts of time and it's hard not to, um, you know, have some kind of deep affection for, for the artist. Um, yeah. I think if you don't have that, um, if you don't have that, you're in the wrong business, you know? 
You just are. 100%. Yeah. And yes. I think that goes for every part of it, really. I mean, if you're a manager or you're, you know, agent, whatever. Definitely. Um, you have to have some kind of a deep connection with them. Because it's, look, man, the artist is not an easy job, man. That's a tough career. That, that That's a hard job, man. I mean, it really is. And especially now with social media and you can click on your page and have some jackass, you know, that doesn't know you talking shit about you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's insane. That, that you know, that, that didn't start happening until recently. Yeah. You know, where I would guess that, that now to be an artist, you got to have really thick skin or just don't go read that stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought, I think Marin always handled that very well. Um, you know, I, I always enjoyed seeing some idiot say something really dumb. And she had, she used to say, no more drinking and replying. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So we've talked a lot about your, uh, your career in the music industry uh, as, as it relates to kind of the, the major label atmosphere and stuff like that. But I want to get into briefly before we have to wrap up. Um, kind of what you're up to now. So can you tell us a little yeah. bit about the current thing and famous hillbillies yeah. entertainment and all that? Right. So, um, so man, I'm just kind of working as a hired gun now. Um, I took a lot of time off, um, after, um, after I left Sony in uh, February 21, I took a bunch of time off, man. I needed to, I needed to clear out my head. I need to get some personal things taken care of, man. And, um, get my shit together get my life back in order. And, um, and so then I started this, I started this thing forever. I, I would, people would ask me what I do for a living and I would say, I make hillbillies famous. And so I started this company called famous hillbillies. And so I'm doing, I'm doing promotion for, um, just kind of breaking into this Texas chart. Um, this Texas music world, I'm still helping a couple of labels in Nashville with some artists that they're trying to break, um, on the mainstream side of things. And, um, yeah, man. And, uh, working with a kid that's just, um, that's just getting started kind of doing like a label consulting thing for him. Um, that's been very fun, you know? So it's, it's great. I get to get to put my hands in all kinds of different things. I thought I was done, man. I, you know, I thought I was over it. Um, but I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I can't get away from it. You know, I love it. Um, I don't know if I answered any of your questions, man. No, that's awesome, man. The ramble. <laughs> are you doing, uh, are you doing any of these upcoming Texas award shows? No, man, I haven't done any of that. I, mean, I didn't do award shows when I, you know, I was never a CMA guy, ACM guy. Yeah. Um, I actually was asked to leave the Sony CMA party <laughs> one time. <laughs> The bartender, like, we're paying you, man. You can't kick me. You can't cut me off and kick me out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't even do them then. So I don't, eh, no, probably yeah. not. Probably cool. not. I know there's like, there's a big one that just happened or is getting ready to happen. I yeah, think, right? I think there, I think there was one in November. And I want to say the next one is the end of this month for uh, yeah. Triple R. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I try to go every other year. So, man, to, to catch up with uh, with some radio buddies and stuff in the scene. But, um, but yeah, they're, man, they're a good time. I, you know, it would probably be a good idea. But, um, you know, I don't know, man. That's, that's one of those things. Yeah. Um, that I just never have really gotten into. Um, uh, but it probably would be good for business to go do that. For maybe sure. we'll go. Yeah. If you go, maybe I'll be your date. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll hit you up if I, uh, if I make a DFW run this year, they're, they're always DFW, man. <laughs> it's yeah, it's man. always up North there. Um, 
Cool, man. Well, uh, I've got a few last things before I let you go. I know sure, you man. said your, your kids were on spring break and I'm sure you're yeah, ready. But I got time to go on right now, man. So this is like my, um, this is my, um, this is my Zen. <laughs> That's <laughs> great, man. Full of kids. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, there's, there's a few things I do with every single guest. Um, and I know you listen to at least the, the EJ episode and, and this is kind of honestly where, where your name came up between me and EJ is kind of this new, new segment that I'm doing called next up where we kind of recognize, you know, people on the rise in the music industry or, um, you know, our artists who are doing good work or, making making some moves or or young industry professionals i know you mentioned your uh, your daughter earlier on in the episodes yep. so definitely definitely throw her in there but anybody you want to give a shout out to real quick oh yeah man there i mean there's there's uh down here man there's as far as regional promotion goes there's yeah i mean there's great there's great promotion people for all of these labels there really are um i got to say that I think I worked for the two best promotion people in the business. Um, my last six years at Sony was Shane Allen and Steve Hodges. I think we're absolutely the the best of the best. Um, you know, I think that this kid, Drake Milligan, man, this artist, Drake Milligan, I'm working, I think he's going to be, I think he's special. Um, I have uh, Marin, man, I, I know she's not up and coming, but man, Marin is a special artist as well. So, you know, Combs is too. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I've got, I've got great friends down here. I just talked to a, another rep down here named Brooke Maris. That's a, a, a great friend of mine, um, that, um, you know, does good work for these artists that, that the label she works for. Um, AJ mentioned my buddy, Alex Valentine, who's, who's, you know, he's a great friend. Um, yeah. and he's a genuinely good human being, um, gives a shit, you know, um, very cool. And, um, How do we get all these Texas people together, man? There's there's more of us down here than you realize when you're spread out so much like we are. Right? Yeah, <laughs> no, man, it's crazy. Um, it's funny because I, I like I like I know and I'm friends with a lot of these people who do what I do, and then I, you know, I only run into them at shows. Yeah. And usually it's not in Dallas, you know what I mean? It's somewhere else. But um, yeah, we do need to do that, man. We need to just have a little round table someday, man. Yeah. And, uh, all these folks that are living down here, you know. Um, and um, and uh, just see what happens. Yeah, man. Lot, lots of good people doing doing stuff down here, but it seems like I only talk to my Texas friends when I'm in Nashville. <laughs> right, isn't that true? Yeah, I know. It's funny, man. I mean, there's people that live 20 minutes from me that I don't see, you know? Yep. We, man, we moved way up north into Denton, and um, we're kind of out of the whole Metroplex vibe. There's great music that happens in Denton, Texas, man. That's why we're here. Yep. So Very anyway. cool. Awesome. Man, I hope that all this made sense. Yes, sir. Is there uh, anything we missed chatting about that you wanted to hit before we wrap up here? No, man. I just, I feel like I rambled on and on. Um, I hope it was okay for you, man. You, you were great, man. I, I love, uh, I, th- I think I told EJ this. I love talking to promo dudes because like, Y'all know how to talk, right? You answer talk questions, lot, and, and we yeah. we have a fun conversation. So, uh, so I appreciate that. Always, yeah, I, always makes I, it easier from this end. I told my wife before earlier today. I go, man, I you know I don't know if I even know what to talk about. She's like, you've never had a problem since I've known you of being able to talk. As a matter of fact, you can drone on and on. <laughs> so, well, anyway, um, exactly. yeah, man, it was great. I appreciate you asking me to do this. Yes, you sir. Go, you need to go track Alex Valentine down, man, and get him on here. I will. I definitely will. He's in uh, New Braunfels, right? 
Yeah, he is. Yeah, cool. He is hiding from the police. Love it. So, where uh, before we wrap up, where can our audience follow you or uh, or your new new company you just started up? Oh man, so I don't have any socials done for the company, but um, on Instagram, um, I'm uh, man. What is my Instagram? Music Ho sixty seven. Music Ho M U S I C H O. Um, 67, I think, man, that's what it is. Cool. And then it's, uh, Facebook is, uh, Mark Allen Jenny's A-L-A-N-J-A-N-E-S-E. Awesome, man. We'll put those in the, uh, the show notes and make so sure our audience out, has man. them. All right. Good yeah, talking man. to you, brother. Good to talk Have to you. Have a great day, man. We'll see, see you, dude. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too cool for me.